Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us is documentarian. She's been on the show before. The creator, of course, of the Olympic Pride, American Prejudice. is a documentary and a book. We just saw her on Saturday in class with Carr, where she delivered all of the amazing information. And today she's here to talk about a sorority. But before we do that, let me welcome in Deborah Riley Draper. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How's it going? We are awesome. Um, yeah. Before I before I let before I you know we get into the twenty pearls, um, we were talking on Saturday, and you guys can check out my YouTube channel about your Tuskegee PSAs. Uh, you actually brought in family members that uh, from some you know family members of the men, uh, the six hundred plus men who were part of the study where they yeah. literally watched them die and go through some horrific changes with syphilis without treating them. So it was no treatment, no vaccine, no penicillin. That was the study. And you had the family members on to talk about why they are getting vaccinated. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. The Ad Council and the Joy Collective tapped me um, about eight weeks ago and said, you know what? We have tremendous vaccine hesitancy within the African-American community. And a lot of members of the community say they're not taking the vaccine because of the Tuskegee experiment, which I was like, you know, first we need to unpack this and really make sure that we're talking about the right things in the right way and we're assigning the right blame in the right places, right? Because first the Tuskegee experiment was actually the Tuskegee Airmen. That was the experiment for black men to fly. The United States Public Health Services study on syphilis at Tuskegee was the actual public health services study on African-American men, over 600 of them, half who had syphilis, half who didn't. And the study was about untreated syphilis because they wanted to see the effects the disease had on the Negro male. So those men never received any treatment of any kind. So when we say we aren't taking the vaccine because of those men, we need to be careful how we say that because that study was not about vaccines. That study wasn't about treatment at all. So I figured what better people to have be a part of this. It's four public service announcements, 60 second ads and a five minute mini doc. Who better to really get us straight and second set the record straight than the family members who know this intimately, who lived with fathers, grandfathers and great grandfathers through that 40 year experiment of no treatment. And what they said, Karen, that stood out to me most prominently is that they did not want to squander the privilege to have a choice to get the information and review the information, ask questions about the information and make choices for themselves and their families and that their health was their wealth. Their, their ancestors did not have a choice of any kind. And so being able to make that decision of which vaccine, evaluate the vaccines, they took that very seriously. Obviously they all took the vaccine of the ones that I spoke with, but this idea of what the men contributed, we also wanted to leave America with that because whether you're black, white or any race, because of what happened to these men, Every person that goes in for treatment must sign an informed consent agreement, period. And that's because 
of what these men went through, and that is their legacy. And there's a very powerful legacy. It's a very important legacy. So we wanna make sure we honor them and we amplify them for what was a tragic situation, but because of them, all of us can now benefit and have the privilege of informed consent. Um, so, so that that's kind of that 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 was the bedrock of, of my creative inspiration to do that campaign um, to encourage us to get the information and be sure that we understand what we're talking about. Because you know, we've all heard somebody say, "Well, I'm not doing it because of Tuskegee." We've we've heard that. Tuskegee experiment is not the syphilis study. These men didn't receive a vaccine or any medicine. Uh, so, so let's make sure we put that story in the right context. Um, and that's what that's about. And, and also very positively about these families putting their family history on the table. Deborah Riley Draper, um, filmmaker. She, of course, is the creator of Olympic Pride, American Prejudice, where you can see the greatness uh, during the 1936 Olympics where Hitler was rolling out uh, his Aryan supremacy only to be thwarted by 18 black people. Uh, yep, so there's that. That's what that's about. But uh, you have 20 Pearls coming out. Or is it out? Is it? Tell us about it, it, 20 it, Pearls. Absolutely. 20 Pearls is out. It's actually on August 7th. It'll be screening at the Martha's Vineyard African-American Film Festival at 5 p.m. in the Color of Conversation block. But it came out um, in March. It's the first original documentary on Comcast Black Experience. But you can, it's streamed all over the place. But this is a, this is a love letter to Black women. It's a love letter to the Divine Nine. This is about nine Black women who organized in 1908 as teenagers at Howard University because they felt it was important to have a safe space for Black women. And now 113 years later, we're able to see what that idea in 1908 has given birth to and, and how it's impacted America from World War I, World War II, to uh, the current White House. And, and in our documentary, I had the luxury and the privilege of having Madam Vice President be a part of this film as well. So um, that was extraordinary for me as a filmmaker. And uh, she really spoke to the power of Black women when we organize and when we come together and what that looks like and how that can move a country. Are you Deborah uh, Riley Draper, a AKA? I am. Okay. I so this am. was, this was, and this is what it looks like, you know, to make films about things that you care about that reflect the things that you do when you have the power to do that. Right. So, well, you know, yes, that's exactly right. No one questions Steven Spielberg about all of the films he makes about the lived Jewish experience or the Holocaust experience. No one pushes on, he makes films about the things he loves. No one says anything to Francis Ford Coppola or Oliver Stone when they make these experiences about New York City and about the Italian community. That's what they do. They go right into their community and they talk about what they know and what they felt or what they've experienced or what they've seen. So that's that's part of my lived experience. So I was very honored um, that the sorority would tap me to tell the story. But but we 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 give love and shout out to the organizations that have come together in the early 1900s, you know, 40 years from being enslaved. And we figured out how to organize ourselves and, and come up with names and colors and mottos and missions and, 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 
and be able to brand ourselves, right? And be able to create corporations. These are early black corporations, right? This is early, early work. Yeah, yeah, shout, shout out, shout out to AKA, um, uh, to, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, sorry. Uh, shout out to Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And this love letter to black women. Um, you know, we're talking about um, black excellence and even the transition, Karen, you made, I'm, I'm hearing uh, when we talk about Olympic pride, black excellence as the answer to Aryan uh, oppression. Uh, black excellence in this love letter to black women, uh, organizing black communities as the answer to isolation for upwardly mobile black students getting their education, but still going to be isolated in the context of the society that they're preparing to lead out into uh, is the answer. And this uh, kind of exhibit of black excellence, uh, Deborah Riley Draper, in what you are offering us in storytelling. Um, earlier, we were talking about the isolation from community. And in our context, the griot is the center of the community. The griot is how we build community by telling our own story. So thank you for, for telling story because you're helping us to grow and build community in this way. Um, it's our yeah. cultural inheritance. It, it is ours. It is ours and we have to own it and cherish it. And if we don't tell our stories, who, who's gonna tell our stories the way they should be told? Um, my first film and, and Karen knows this, was Versailles 73, American Runway Revolution, the story of the 12 black models that ripped the runway in Paris in 1973. And that included Bethany Hardison, where she had a baby Kadeem back in the day. She was in Paris with, you know, Pat Cleveland and Alva Chen and Norma Jean Darden, these black women in Paris, showing them how it's done and ushering in American ready to wear it and not getting credit for it, because that's what the film's about. They were there, they did it, and everyone says Halston, Bill Blast, and Klein, but they would not have been anything without those Black models wearing those clothes. So yes, Black excellence is how we deal with oppression, marginalization, when our credit's trying to be stolen from us. Um, but it's also, most importantly, um, and, and I know this is why Karen does the work that she does, our information and our history is what will inspire us to have a future. And so that we don't keep doing the same things and thinking we have to pay the same price. We can just say, here, it's already paid for, I got the receipts, you know? <laughs> I got the receipts. Yeah. You know, for the kids running in the Olympics, these black women that, you know, sometimes are marginalized, they can say Tidy Pickett and Louise Stokes, they bought and paid for this in 1936. They are the receipts. So we, we, don't, we don't need you um, asking, you know, Naomi Osaka, any questions? They asked it to Tidy and Louise in 1936. She don't have to answer anything else. It's been answered, done. So that's why we tell these stories. So we can tell people, no, I have receipts, I'm good. Dr. Starsky and I were, were talking about, you know, community and you also did a project, The Legacy of, of Black Wall Street. Talk a little bit about that as well. And then I'll have him ask his question. I haven't Absolutely. forgotten. Absolutely. For the 100th commemoration of the massacre um, in Greenwood, Oklahoma, I directed two episodes of a docuseries, a two episode docuseries for OWN called The Legacy of Black Wall Street. Um, and we were able to chronicle not just the massacre, but the building up, the co collaboration, the cooperative economics that led to the development of what was one of the greatest Black communities in the history of America. And not just 
great economically, but culturally, they had theaters, they had art, they had black doctors, they had black lawyers, they had, you know, everything a community could dream of. And it was thriving. They had three black millionaires and then white mobs who were jealous came and burned Greenwood to the ground. And then we talk about what sometimes we forget. Within four years, they rebuilt it. They had resilience and they were back and thriving in the 40s. And then we brought it up to 2021 when you have this new crop of entrepreneurs trying to, to maintain that dream of 100 years ago. So both of those episodes are still available on OWN. You can go check them out and stream them. But um, there's a lot of history from that I learned, which I didn't know, that um, many of the African-Americans who came to Oklahoma in the 1800s were enslaved because they were brought there on the Trail of Tears by the Cherokees, you know, the Choctaw, the, the five civilized tribes that were moved um, beyond the Mississippi. When they moved, they moved their enslaved people with them. So for me, I was like, wait, because um, you know, as African-Americans, we love to say we're part Indian. So we, we, yes, we do. Yeah. And part of that complicated history in Oklahoma where many of the African-Americans were enslaved along the Trail of Tears. And when people talk about the Trail of Tears, they never remember to say African-Americans were on the Trail of Tears too, as enslaved, some free and many enslaved on that Trail of Tears being moved by the federal government. Yes, that's that was that was my June. <laughs> wow, you have having quite a year. Uh, if you know this is uh, these projects that you're rolling out, and, and I'm uh, originally a Texan, so this Oklahoma history is really um, resonant with me from Dallas. But uh, also this kind of this sorority and fraternity history that you lay out in Twenty Pearls, which you noted uh, is uh, is going to be screened soon. Uh, that you uh, lifted in March. I wanted to ask a little bit about just required history. So, the, you know, a lot of things we have to learn come to these pan-Hellenic pan organizations. Yeah. Uh, there is a certain set of facts people have to learn. Uh, I'm sure you explored and learned some new things uh, in this uh, exploration and deep dive you did for the documentary for 20 Pearls that you may not have known otherwise. So what's something that you learned doing this project that you think every one of your sororities coming into the sorority should know going forward? about Alpha Kappa Alpha? You know, there, there were a couple of things. Um, and first, you know, I, I know I know you're Kappa Alpha Psi. So what, one of the things that uh, I, I was reminded of was that Lucy Diggs Slow was the first yes. cousin to Elder Diggs. So, yes. so that, that connection was strong from the outset, right? And, and, that's, and that wasn't just a family connection, but a mission connection, a, a connection of service. Um, Th that that was there. Indeed. And for everybody who doesn't know, Elder Watson Diggs, the dreamer of Cap Alpha Psi. So sorry. Yeah, I just want to make sure people knew contextually. Yes, contextually, and and the first president of the chapter at Howard University were cousins. Um, but not only were they cousins, she most importantly was the first black woman to win a national championship in the United States of America in any sport. She was a tennis player. So we think of Althea Gibson, we think of Venus and Serena. Well, Lucy Diggs Slow was the first Black 
female athlete to win a national championship. And that's, I think that's something everyone should know, regardless of whether or not they're in a fraternity or sorority, that's irrespective of affiliation. But you had this black woman who was an exceptional tennis player who was in college in 1908. <laughs> and she and she was and she was playing tennis like yes. that, you know. Yes. And breaking barriers. I, I thought that was extraordinary. I thought um the the Mississippi Health Project, which I knew about having learned the history, but I didn't realize the number of black female doctors and nurses through Alpha Kappa Alpha that went to the Mississippi Delta 10 summers in a row to inoculate. Uh, families in the Delta without any support from the federal government until Eleanor Roosevelt saw what they were doing. And, and then they realized public health is critically important um, to all. And, and, we sh- and, we should, and we should try to make sure that that's democratized. That was important. What, wait, other- what, what was the, the, the widespread disease then? Was it typhoid? Was it smallpox? Was, what, what, were they, what was the vaccine that they were carrying to the Delta? Every all of the vaccines at the times, mumps, measles, rubella. Type, oh wow! Everything. But but what was what was the um, in reading and reading a lot of the diaries from that period? You know what was the most pressing thing? Malnutrition. Huh. Um, the children were not getting sufficient food because they were sharecropping and and they and they just did not have a balanced diet, including fresh fruits and vegetables. And, and this idea of fresh fruits and vegetables and seeing you know the protocol that they wrote and you think this is still the protocol now you know these servings of fresh fruits and vegetables we still need to make sure that our children are getting these balanced meals and that we're getting enough servings uh, of that 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 was astounding the other thing for me was the work that the sorority did um, with the National Defense Fund and and really ensuring that black women, regardless of whether they were in a sorority or not, that black women were able to apply for defense contracting jobs in the 40s during the war and after, which led to um, a significant amount of African-American women and Alpha Kappa Alpha women working for NASA. Um, So, which, which we saw in Hidden Figures, but that's Norma Boyd was part of that think tank that said, you know, do you not see all these black women who have math degrees and science degrees? We got this. So um, original STEM, right? So that 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 was all that for me. That was like I must have missed this. What happened? <laughs> I, don't re- I don't remember this. Um, that that and and just the understanding of the forming of the Pan Hell when it was happening in the forties and these organizations coming together and then seeing that again in the summer of 2020 when when black organizations were really coming together and just working together to move the needle on a lot of public policy and move the needle on things that impacted our communities. I just thought that was just a wonderful reminder that regardless of colors, regardless of Greek letters, that the goal here is to ensure that the American experience is democratized for African-Americans. And if Greek letter organizations are leading that charge like they did in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and now that that is what is, that, that is the burden you have to bear to be on this planet. Like, and you may not be Greek, but find yourself the organization you wanna be in and put some work in, whatever, whatever it is, Fact. doesn't matter. That's 
it. Deborah Riley Draper, why did you um, choose to become an AKA? Um, you know, it's interesting because most of the women in my family were Deltas, but when I was on the campus of Florida State University, that, that, that was where my heart was and that's what I wanted to do and um and it, it was the, the strangest thing that was the first time in my life I was a freshman actually that I had done any any this is terrible but that was my first ever volunteer work that I had ever done in my life I I had never volunteered I'd never done community service before so those Saturday mornings that was the first time and I remember it so vividly going to that community center and reading to kids I'd, I'd only done things for me like you know, in high school, in the band and all the stuff, totally for myself. So that was the first time I actually did something that was not directly related to me. Of course, I was an usher at church, but my mother made me do that. This was work in the community that had nothing to do with my family, that had nothing to do with my church. This was me reading to children on Saturdays. And, and, and when you realize that you can be of service like that, it stays with you as a young person. Dr. Starsky, why'd you become a Kappa? Yeah, I mean, it's shaping influences early in my life, particularly in formative years in, in middle school and, and uh, high school uh, were men of Kappa Alpha Psi. Uh, and, uh, and those were uh, the brothers deeply impressed with on the campus of Xavier University and the work that they were doing and how they carried themselves. And ultimately for me, it was uh, an adult decision. So I came through finally in, in a graduate chapter here uh, that gave me and afforded me opportunities uh, to invest in young people in the same ways I was in, in youth ministry, uh, in you know doing the same kind of community work, um, but to be able to nurture and pour into um, young men um, before I had my own sons, uh, pour into young men uh, in ways to help them to develop on the course of achievement in every field of human endeavor and well as well. So, so that has been part of my formative journey and uh, it's what I get to pour into other folks. Well, um, I appreciate the work that you're putting in, uh, Deborah Riley Draper, in many ways. This is uh, the same community service that you discovered on that campus at FSU so many years ago. 20 Pearls is the documentary. We tweeted out a link mm-hmm. to it that you guys can check out. Of course, Legacy of Black Wall Street, you can check that out on OWN. And, of course, Olympic Pride, American Prejudice. Go to her website, Deborah Riley draper.com and you can see that wonderful work uh as well and i expect you to be participating in our film division at narrative so i'm looking forward to the documentaries that we're going to do together yes deborah riley draper thank you for being here appreciate you always and i look forward to uh you you just tell me your subject i'm all about it hey this is karen hunter you can listen to the karen hunter show live every monday through friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.